Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us again on our Connecting Conversations podcast. And I'm pleased to be joined here today with Mo T, who will talk about his story, his journey within his space. Um, and I hope you find this conversation invigorating, motivating, and ultimately an opportunity for you to really be passionate and do what you want to do, whatever that may look like. So welcome, Mo. How are you? I'm very good, Valka. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on our Connect and Conversations podcast. And we're really pleased to have people on our podcast that can share their authentic stories, which mm. is all is what we're all about, but also an opportunity for us to learn from each other ultimately Absolutely. and really be able to share the highs and lows because within this world that we live in, it can become a bit siloed. So we hope this will be a safe space for you to be open and honest with us. I hope so too. And and you know, I think one thing I've learned is that the when when you when you have people in front of you who are vulnerable, it helps you become vulnerable. So it's a two-way street. Yeah, exactly. Well, before we get into the nitty-gritty of our conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure the audience is dying to know. So um, there's, I guess, whenever I get asked to introduce myself, I always have to explain that there's two sides of, of me. Um, there's part of me that is, is, a, is a technical engineer working to look after all of the aerodrome systems at Heathrow Airport. So technically, my job title is the aerodrome system specialist, which just sounds so fancy. Everyone's eyebrows go, oof, that sounds, that sounds quite fancy. But what it basically means is when you look out of a terminal building, all of those systems that you see that guide an aeroplane around, systems up in the control tower all the way to the stuff on the runways all of the things that allow an airplane to move around Heathrow Airport I am technically the subject matter expert for all of these things and I make sure that they're working and they're operational so that people can go on holiday with a smile on their face Amazing. now having having so much access to the airport what I've decided to do a few years ago is I started sharing behind the scenes content of what happens at the airport online so I have a TikTok and Instagram page called Motivate, as, as my name says, or otherwise known as the airport guy, where I share a bit of behind the scenes about what is it that makes an airport tick. Now, the reason why I, I actually started that journey, we'll get into later, because I think it's, it's, it's the common, it's the golden thread that really, I think we're really going to be able to connect on. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do a lot of content on social media, and that's also given me the opportunity to, to travel up and down the country, inspiring and motivating young people and the people of all ages to really try and unlock their best selves. I love personal development. I'm a massive, massive advocate. For personal development is something that's changed my life. And that gift that I received to, mm -hmm. in terms of learning about personal development, I love to pass on to others in the form of talks, workshops, and, and speeches up and down the country. So that's a little bit about me. Okay, wow. That's an amazing story. And I think I would... I'm really intrigued to delve into that a little bit deeper. But first and foremost, before we get to the social media bit, which I'm really excited to hear about and how you ended up on that journey. But I think this question will take us there in the sense of why engineering? Why follow that path? Um, was there another path that you initially went on and then, you know, took a detour and came back? Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so interesting enough, I mean, I think like most young people, um, you don't know what you want to do. You think you know what you want to do. And you kind of you kind of go for something. So initially, the my initial thought as a young person was I wanted to be a lawyer. So I actually, and the only reason I wanted to be a lawyer 
is because whenever my mum would like say something to me, I'd always have like a, a sly, cheeky response to, to reply back. And I, I thought, you know what? Court is basically just that, right? Like, like some drug is gonna say science. And as long as I have a comeback that's good enough, I always I was like king of the comebacks at home. So I always mm. had something to say. And I thought maybe I'll be a good lawyer because of that. Um, and it wasn't until I took a, a one or two weeks worth, ex- worth of work experience at a law firm that made me realize that I definitely did not want to. <laughs> Um, it was definitely something that I wasn't enjoying. And that's just me personally. I mean, I'm dyslexic. So sitting mm. down behind documents, 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 reading all day just wasn't my bag. Mm. I didn't know that's not for me. Um, I always had this dream in the back of my mind, though, that I wanted to be a pilot. And the reason why I wanted to be a pilot is because I was just fascinated by how and why the human beings have managed to fly. Mm. Like that was the line question my whole life is that how have we managed to fly? Mm. Um, and, and to answer that question I thought I want to be a pilot because I want to fly um, but then you know my brother-in-law actually explained to me what a day in the life of a pilot would look like um, and, I, and I thought to myself you know what I don't really want to do that I don't want to fly somewhere sit in a hotel fly back I love maths I love physics I love problem solving um, I love getting hands-on and really understanding how things work and I realized that the reason why I wanted, I was fascinated by flight wasn't because I wanted to fly as much as it was. I wanted to understand how it is we fly. So I got the opportunity to actually go to a company up in Cambridge called Marshall Aerospace. Now, in one facility, Marshall Aerospace, you can design, build, and fly a plane all from one facility. Oh, wow. So they have engineering design offices. They have a whole manufacturing facility. And then at the end of the manufacturing facility, they have a runway with a control tower and they can fly off whatever they've just designed and built. And I got a one, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I got a one-to-one tour with the CEO like a week before he was leaving. He was retiring. He was about to go say goodbye. And my brother-in-law used to work in the government doing some audit stuff and he was auditing them. And he asked the CEO, listen, while I'm here, can I ask my my nephew or my my brother-in-law is interested could you give him a tour and, and luckily he agreed so what it what, what's amazing is that that one day where i was able to see what mm-hmm. is happening that insight mm-hmm. clicked in my brain i was like that's it i want to be an aerospace engineer i want to be in the aviation industry no matter what i do i want to be in the aviation world and i yeah. decided i want to study aerospace engineering and that's kind of how my engineering sort of journey started I love problem solving I love understanding how things work and that mm. one day where I got to see what happens behind the scenes at a company was mm. what made it to me that said I want to do this wow and do, what why do you think it's good for and I'm, I'm saying this in terms of the audience who are probably watching and listening to your story and saying you know that's something that you always want to do and now you're doing it but how how did you even do it because I think a lot of people want to do something and they have the passion and the desire to do it but then they get stuck <clears throat> so why do you think it's, it was important for you to actually be there and see it yourself because I honestly it lit a fire that mm. I think is, is very hard to put out like once you once you've once you've seen something with your own eyes um, mm. and learned about something it lights up something in your heart where you're like I really really want to do this and I think that's, that's why it's so important for young people to try and experience, not even young people, any person who wants yeah. to pursue something in life, put yourself in a position where you get to experience what it would be like at, the, at that point 
because I think it generates some sort of energy within us that means that no matter how many hurdles get in our way, no matter how many people tell us that it's not possible, no matter how many people tell us, don't worry, don't do it, you're not going to get a job. And you know, speaking of that, after I went and I spoke to one of I spoke to one of my uncles after I visited Marshall Aerospace. And one of my uncles, he said, he told me, Mohammed, listen, you're a Muslim. Your name is Mohammed. You're Arab. You're going to grow a beard one day when you're older. 9-11 has just happened. They're not hiring Muslims in aviation. Like oh, wow. Aviation, they're not hiring any Muslims. So listen, doctor, pharmacist, go get a stable, sign a stable, you know. Mm-hmm. And the reason why, the only reason why I kept going is because I had that one experience. Mm-hmm. I had that thing. I saw it with my own eyes. I was like, nice, I'm doing this, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and so, I, so, you know, and, and yes, it, it did, it hit me hard. Like for a moment, like I was questioning everything because, you know, yeah. you're one of your uncles tells you something like this. But then I realized actually, no, like I've seen this. I, I've been in the inside of this company. Like I really yeah. want to do this. And that, yeah. that, who knows, had I not had that experience, maybe that one, that one thing my uncle told me could have put me off completely. Yeah. 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 It's so important. And I think I share a similar experience to you when I was just going to university and um I, I I told someone or it was a family friend at the time and I said to them, actually, you know, I'm studying politics and international relations. <clears throat> this was someone who share a sim- the similar kind of racial background as myself, um, a male in, in yeah. to be precise. They turned around to me. And this is a, an, an elderly person, an older person, shall I say. And they said, no daughter of mine will ever work in politics. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and I got the fright of my life. I was just like, am I doing something that wrong? And he said, yeah. you have to remember the color of your skin. And when you go into those areas, no one's going to listen to you and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, wow. Mm. Similar to you, when I was at sixth form, I had the experience of going <clears> to a party. <throat> building and experiencing it and speaking to MPs I even had I even had an experience where I had um I was selected to be a small group of women young girls speaking with an MP of the area and having a whole day with her and it was just like similar to (coughs) you if I didn't have that experience would I have still pursued it because there was a lot of tension and people telling me no you shouldn't do it and are you sure maybe you should do something else and blah 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 but I persevered. And whilst, yes, I didn't, I realised that I don't want to work inside the politics and parliamentary building, I still wanted an opportunity to change mm-hmm. something. And I knew change had to happen yeah. with me having an understanding of the systems and processes that I was going <clears throat> to be up against. Yeah. So uh, I totally agree with you in, in terms of that. And I guess going on to... I think that leads quite nicely into you influencing on social media platforms and sharing that behind the scenes journey. What motivated you to do that? I guess it was it was twofold. Like what motivated me? Um, there was when I stepped into Heathrow Airport, I felt so blessed, mm. genuinely, genuinely. Like I I grew up around Heathrow Airport. I'm a local lad local boy like every time my local airport is Heathrow Airport that's why I go to go on holiday Mm. so to be able to go behind the scenes and see how this airport is pieced together piece by piece like I remember Mm. day one I was standing on top of the roof of one of the buildings 
watching planes land on the runway and I was getting goosebumps thinking, is this my life? Like, really, is this my life? It was amazing. Like, I, genuinely, I was amazed. I was so blessed. I was like, wow, like, this is unbelievable. Mm. But that, that feeling of blessed started to very slowly change. And it actually was, it, it was, I was still felt very blessed, but there was mm. an undertone of guilt associated with it. And the guilt came from knowing that there are 16-year-old girls and guys from my community and other communities that if only they could see what I'm seeing, mm. they would want to work here too. Mm. And actually, all the doubts of the people in their life who are trying to throw them off course would be completely, mm. like, completely dismantled. Yeah. Only if they were able to see and experience what I'm experiencing. Mm. So I had that, I had that sensation in me. I was like, there's so much happening here. Like this, this place is amazing. It's genuinely, it's like I felt like I stumbled upon a treasure chest. Mm. And I'm the type of person, if I stumble upon a treasure chest, I want to share it. Especially <laughs> when sharing it doesn't actually remove anything from the treasure chest. We live in an abundant world, right? We live in an abundant world where if I'm sharing something from what I'm seeing. Mm. No, no one is losing out on anything sure. so i remember i was having a conversation with my aunties um and i was showing like i'd take pictures of everything ever since i was a kid i'd be <laughs> taking pictures and videos of everything i love it right if i had a youtube channel since i was a kid i was like i was that kid little kid little chubby kid on a family holiday holding a selfie stick making videos right i was that i was that guy <laughs> and um i remember i would take pictures of everything i was sat down with my auntie one day Mm. And I was showing her some of the stuff that I'm seeing at work. Mm. And her eyes are falling out of her head going, wow, like, this is unbelievable. I never, like, we fly out of Heathrow all the time. We never know all this stuff is happening. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I love it. I'm, and all the passion was just pouring out of me when I was speaking. And she goes, Mohammed, why aren't you sharing this stuff? I was like, by the way, caveat, she works with Google and Facebook. So she's, like, very much into, like, the whole, yeah. you know. She's like, why aren't you sharing this stuff? Mm. Like, who will care who's gonna care but mm. it was in that moment that i connected the dots mm. so, i know who's gonna care that 16 year old girl or boy is gonna mm. care yeah so i started to share my journey mm. and i realized that the fact that i was told i can't make it part of me was like maybe there's someone else going through something like this as well yeah. So I started sharing my journey. I remember from my first post up, I was like, my name is Mohamed Tahir. I'm an engineering graduate working at Heathrow Airport. This is just a place where I want to share my journey, share my thoughts. Bang. And I uploaded it. And I yeah. started uploading. I started to upload more and more and more and more. And then slowly, slowly, TikTok came along. TikTok <laughs> brought in this whole wave of like video form content. Now, mm. you know, like, yeah, I used my unfair advantages. Like I've been making videos since I was a kid. So videos was natural to me. Like I'd be making videos, editing was natural to me. So mm -hmm. I was editing videos and I'd upload it. And then before I know it, these videos started to get views. I still remember the first video that I uploaded on TikTok got 80,000 views. I was like, wow, 80,000 <laughs> views, that's crazy. And I just kept uploading, kept uploading. Next thing I know, it hits a million, two million. And all I'm doing is I'm seeing what I'm seeing at work. Stuff that people are walking past, they don't even care yeah it's so simple but I, I love it and I, I, and all it is is i love educating people 
ever mm. since I was a young person, I love educating people. And even when I was at college, mm-hmm. I set up an engineering society. Because all I do in these engineering societies, I take these complicated engineering things and I mm-hmm. simplify them to very simple experiments to explain what's mm. happening. So all mm. I'm doing in my videos is I'm taking something complicated and mm. I'm sharing it. And in my intention, I'm sharing it to that 16-year-old who's just passionate, who just really mm. wants to be involved. And even you, and the beauty of that is, is that that's what my intention is. But I have parents saying they're six-year-old kids who sit there binge watching my stuff all the way to the bottom. And I find that so, so humbling, like so beautiful that potentially I could be inspiring a six, like a six-year-old to say, yeah. oh, the airport too. And especially a six-year-old from a Muslim background who's seen yeah. someone Muhammad with a beard. I want I want us to forget that 9-11 happened and all the stuff that happened. For, I want yeah. this to be a tool to completely iron out those creases and yeah. tell people it's an even playing field. We're yeah. here. If you love it, if you enjoy it, then come here and build a career here. Wow. Now that's beautiful. And I think you're so right. And you, you just don't know what where you're impact is going to land for someone mm-hmm. and it could land into the arm the well the screens now shall I say of someone who has been told no a hundred times or yeah. who's been told that they will never get into that university or you know they've <laughs> received so many job rejections at Heathrow for instance and yeah. and feel like there is no way so I think it's so powerful to know that what you're doing is actually having a real domino effect on those yeah. who are seeing that from the other side. And I guess yeah. you touched on and you, you touched on this uh, earlier and throughout this discussion so far is around um, people from you know different backgrounds. And we know commonly within the STEM and the engineering space, there is a stark um, gap between for women within STEM, specifically engineering, as well as those from different minoritized backgrounds. What mm. has been your experience in navigating those hoops and what would you say was a breakthrough <coughs> for you? There are, it, it, does, it goes without saying, there are boundaries, there are hoops, there are, so you can, there's so many different words that you can describe as. I remember the first time I ever got a job interview at like an engineering firm. Um, I walk into the room and the interviewer was sat there, white male, as you'd expect. Um, mm. And next to him was was the HR woman. Um, and before I had even sat down, mm. the guy looked at my CV, literally pulled up my CV. And he goes, Mohammed, are you Arab? That was the first question. I hadn't even sat down yet. Oh, wow. Now, and this is a very well-known engineering organization. Mm. And I was out at that moment, the PTSD of everything my uncle told me, of all my insecurities. Like, do I now have to say no? Do I say yes? Mm. Uh, is this going to affect me getting the job or not? I really want this job everything that they did at that moment and I remember like what 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 maybe it was like two seconds felt like 30 minutes you know like <laughs> just time stopped mm. and I had to really think about what I was gonna say next and I responded and I said 
yes i am arab and actually mm. i speak arabic as well mm. you see he wasn't expecting that <laughs> he was trying to he was trying to he was trying to slide throw a sign in there to stop me off my feet and then watch yeah. me struggle mm. but i was able to turn what he thought was a weakness into what i know is a strength yes and mm. in that moment he fumbled he completely <laughs> folded on himself because he did he didn't he didn't know what to say next so he's like uh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh uh, well we we work with we work with dubai and companies in dubai sometimes maybe you can uh maybe you can you know because you speak arabic maybe you can help us out and i was like yeah sure <laughs> i got the job well done yeah and i think that if it wasn't for that one moment where i decided to embrace who i truly was mm-hmm. i wouldn't have got the job because at that moment, I had the option of either putting on a mask or being my true, authentic self. And the only way I was able to get that job was because I was being my true, authentic self. The mask that I would have worn would not have been as effective as who I mm. truly am. The passion that comes out of my heart comes out of my heart because I can be who I truly am, not because I have yeah. to pretend to be someone else. Mm. Moments like that where people try to question you or people try to, to undermine you because of, because of your diversity, that has yeah. happened a few times and and for me i i've learned that that vulnerability in that moment the moment you show a bit of vulnerability and to be honest with you being a woman being mm. a diverse background in this very very sort of male orientated white orientated industry that just stepping into it is a vulnerability and unfortunately the nature of human beings the moment we see somebody's being vulnerable in front of us some people are out to get you yeah. A lot of people will support you, but it's the few people that are out to get you that can have a really, really detrimental impact on your self-confidence. Mm-hmm. And when they have a detrimental impact on your self-confidence, that has a domino effect that can really impact your the, how you show up to work, the things mm-hmm. you say in or don't say in a meeting, more importantly. Mm-hmm. A critical moment when they try come for you, where either you fold, either you fold, or mm-hmm. you make them fold. And that... Right. Where, which which that fork in the road which mm-hmm. way you go depends on how confident you are in your response and how willing you are to stand up and be very authentic and be very true to who you are and be absolutely unapologetic about the fact that yes you are arab yes you are muslim yes your name is Muhammad. yes you believe in god yes you got a beard and i'm here to make a difference mm. yeah that that's incredible and I think a lot of people are still struggling to to overcome that and what I what I hear a lot from those from people from those background from different backgrounds especially from minoritized backgrounds is you know the world is against me or they walk around with a chip on their shoulder and they think oh I'll never get that job and blah 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 similar to that discussion I had with um the guy when he told me about politics is not something he'll let his daughter do but it's that kind of fear-inducing anxiety mm. that mm. really stops them from re- engaging in those spaces. And I think if we will just, you know, take that chip off our shoulder a little bit and be vulnerable, as you say, there is so much more that we can do. The world isn't against you. Um, mm. yeah, don't get me wrong, there are boundaries and there are obstacles that you will have to go through, but that's just a that's just journeying life. Life is not meant to be easy. You know, if that was the case, 
then we all would be where we want to be right now. But it's the yeah. journey that makes us unique. It's a journey yeah. that allows us to, to enter pathways and enter doors and opportunities. And at the end of the day, we all have one life to live. So why not take the risk and be vulnerable and go out there and do the things that you want to do? And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that need to take that first step. But also, on the other hand, I think it goes hand in hand to say that organizations and systems (coughs) and processes that they have also need to provide a space that will cater for um, diverse backgrounds, that will allow opportunities to flourish and, you know, bring about that equal access and equal opportunities. So I think there is, you know, a a dual... kind of lever that we need to to play with in order to reach that balance but ultimately it all starts with yourself yeah and then we won't be able to make a difference unless we unless we you'll find there's a lot of allies out there a lot of allies um but unless you're willing to stand up and and be there the initial domino pusher all the other dominoes follow but they're all the allies but if you're not pushing the first domino because you're hiding who you are then you're never going to allow them to learn. You're never going to allow them to change. We spoke at the beginning of this conversation about like learning, right? And like the way you learn is you experience different things. Now, if you're going to paint yourself gray and walk into the office and blend into the background, you're never going to give people the opportunity to learn about different cultures and different faiths and different backgrounds, different foods and different music and different everything, right? Like we bring so much to the table where people actually enjoy it. So... Why, why not why not be a facilitator for that exactly you have so many allies in the process exactly and to be honest if I think about some of the critical moments <laughs> in in my journey of life so far specifically in relation to my career it hasn't always been people that looked like me that mm. you know even down to the smallest of things like passing my driving test, I had someone from an Asian background, a male Asian who facilitated me in achieving that. When it came to my dissertation, I had, you know, a a woman from a white background who really pushed me and encouraged me and allowed me to to flourish. In the end, I got a first in my dissertation. And same with my career. I was appointed the first chair of the DNI board for an organization. And that was all in favor of people that didn't look like me, but they were willing to help and, and encourage me and push me to be like, Ivelka, actually, you can do it. Why not? Let me help you get there. And then when I got there, I found someone else who also supported me in that position. So allies are so important. And I think sometimes we we forget that, but also we yeah. have to recognize it's not always going to be someone that looks like you or yeah. someone that has similar interests. <laughs> is those people that are different to you can help you elevate and allow you to get to that next level so I think absolutely. it's very sometimes I, I absolutely couldn't, couldn't have said it myself and I think sometimes very rarely you find that some people who do look like you actually have have gone chameleon mode you know they've gone blend into the background mode and and they've they've completely lost who they are mm. um and actually, no, there's other people who, who don't look like you are here to say, no, nah, be yourself. We love it. Bring it on. You know, so <laughs> so it really, really, it really is in here, you know. Mm. But what's in here most of the time is dictated by what's outside. You know, yes. it's, it's a to and flow. It's, it's an ebb and it's a flow. 
Um, yeah. So, so the reason why the reason why diversity part of the reason why diversity is so crucial mm-hmm. is because you Ivoka will think differently about the world mm-hmm. to the male Asian that you described, who will think differently about the world to the white woman that you described, who will think differently about the world to everyone else, and it's mm-hmm. that difference in thought is because of your upbringing and your background. You mentioned that you were you were born, you know, in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Right. That means that you you had you there's something in you that was ingrained in you from such a young age that mm. other people will never have experienced. And that yeah. just that simple way of thinking. I'm not sure do you speak any other languages? No, no, okay, I don't. Fair enough. Fair enough. But like we, even we different speak language, like it's a creolization of language, but yeah. Nice, nice. And and just that culture means that you look at problems differently, you want to solve them differently, you have a different outlook on the world. If we want to make our world more cohesive, then we need to actually work together on this. And we need different people to integrate into this. And and, and that's the only way that we're gonna make it happen. And and yeah. the the more the merrier, the more that the the more the mix is when you look at it at a glance, you think, wow, that's a that's a nice collection of people. That means there's more fruitful ideas flowing through there. There's better. There's just different cultures flowing through there, different I, different thought processes. It's just beautiful. Like when you have that sort of concoction of things, it just makes everything more beautiful. Yeah, certainly. I totally agree. And I think just going back onto the career side of it as well, I guess a lot of people and a lot of our audience will probably wonder, um, how, how did you even get a career at Heathrow because it seems so competitive um and then you know we we add on the DNI element yes that is perceived to be uh, an obstacle but how did you navigate in regards to finding the job um applying interview what was your process around that and how did you overcome that to be in the the area that you are in now I think my process started way before any interviews, way before any, any like finding out about the job. The process for getting a job starts years before you even can see the job on the job board. I think that genuinely the process of getting a job starts mm. in here and in here. Mm. It wasn't until I genuinely fundamentally started to change the way I viewed myself and the world and the potential mm. that I have within and set myself straight and, and learn about a growth mindset, learn that failure is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Learn that actually people are mm. the key ingredient for life. Mm. If you're able to communicate and articulate and connect with people, that you've unlocked the mysteries of the universe. When I started to realize that there was this softer side to the world that was very different to the engineering that I'd been learning at university, but mm. genuinely far more crucial in the engineering that I've been learning at university, we're talking the soft skills about how you interact with yourself and others. Yeah. I deep dived into that world, into psychology, into neuroscience, how neuroplasticity allows us to develop ourselves and become more than who we were yesterday, how we can rewire habits in our mind. I'm just I'm just nit- I'm picking up topics here. Yeah. But what, what I'm trying to say is that I went on a very interesting transformative journey. Mm-hmm allowed me to answer a very simple question mm. would I want to hire me mm, yeah when I got to a point where I was like you know what I would hire me 
that's when I felt more the confidence to step into an interview or apply for a job and know what goods I have from bringing to the table. Yeah. I started to understand my own value. I've spoken mm-hmm. to young people who've just graduated from a master's in engineering. And I say, would you hire you? And they'd be like, bro, I'll be honest with you. Nah. I can't I just sit at home playing video games all day. <laughs> so mm. I was like to him, so hold on a minute. Why are you trying to polish up your CV? Why are you wasting hours of your life trying to do your CV up? When there's a fundamental issue here, you wouldn't even hire yeah. Let's start look within for the answers. Let's start. I want people to think when they think about getting a job, think about what do I have to change within myself to become the person who, when I step into an interview, is unforgettable. Mm. Who people want to work with. A person who understands their value and brings that value to the table. So for me, the practicalities of the interview and stuff I can get into, but the real, the real thing, the message I want to get out there is personal mm-hmm. development, making yourself better is step one yeah. in securing your dream role. Because this is my dream role. I'll be honest with you, I'm 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 living my dream. But it started off years before I was sat in that interview seat. Wow. You want me to go into the practicalities of it as well? Yeah, let's get into let's get into the whole journey. So, how did step one impacted step two? So, because you found your value, how did that then allow you to go into that interview with more confidence? Um, were you able to communicate clearer, perhaps, mm. what you could bring to the table for that organization? And how yeah. did you sell your passion yeah. to them? Perfect. So, so what happened in the process of me discovering my value is I got clearer on who I was. I became far more self-aware, far more self-aware of my strengths, far more self-aware of my weaknesses, far more self-aware of where, kind of where I wanted to be and the things that I enjoyed. That was what I became very clear on. So then one day I was walking through a careers fair. And when I walked up to the careers fair, I walked, I, I was loads of different companies and I saw Heathrow had a stand. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So I went up to the guy who was there. He's called Alwyn. He's left now, but he's he was standing there. And I said, Alwyn, listen, I'm looking for a company where I can work with people because I love working with people. This mm-hmm. came from my self-awareness. I want to solve complex problems because I love solving complex problems. And I want to be in a fast-paced environment because that's just who I am. I like things moving quick. Yeah. So what I did is I told him what I wanted. And he was like, bro, you've hit the nail on the head. This is the jackpot. Everything we do at Heathrow is exactly what you've described. You yeah. need, your graduate program was designed for you. Wow. You would love this place. Mm. So it was only when, so then when I picked up the brochure and I went back to the library and I went through it, because I was so clear on who I was, as mm. I was reading the brochure, my grin was ear to ear. I knew this was me. Every time I was reading that brochure, I was like, this is my job like this is my job no one can get in the way of me and this job because i felt so connected to exactly what they were saying they were talking about the fact that Heathrow Apple was a people-centric organization a company that works and thrives off its people and understands that human connection is the the, the power so that force mm. i'd spent two years of my life loving that concept and when i was reading that on a paper i was like these they breathe in my brain <laughs> This is like, it's like someone's talking, it's like speaking my language. We love solving complex problems. I had just spent a whole year in a factory environment, fast-paced factory environment, 
solving complicated problems, digging my teeth into it and loving it. I spent years working at Ikea selling sofas and I loved customer service. They're talking mm-hmm. about how customer service is very important there. So what I was doing was I was marrying up who I was yeah. with what Heathrow wanted. And I started to find that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I started to learn about their vision for what they want and who yeah. they were, how they want to get there. And what I started to do is I said, well, you know what? I'm really good at this. I can help them get there. I can help them achieve that goal. Because I know how valuable I am and how 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 good at certain things I am. And maybe I'm not so good at certain things and I'm conscious of that. I'm very conscious. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. But I know this is actually what I'm good at. So what mm. I was able to do is when I was writing my application, I was able to draw an image of if you give me this job, mm. I know the value that I have. And here's all my experience that backs up that value. And actually, I will help Heathrow get to the goals that they want to get to mm. if you give me the role. I think with every application, you have to really synergize you, yeah. the company, and their vision. And if you're yeah. able to draw a golden thread through those three elements and put it into an application where they're reading through it, they understand that they, you, you've done your research because you're yeah. talking about their vision. And you're talking about how you can help them get that vision if they give you this specific job. Yeah. So that was literally my whole process. So I've done that. I, I sent in my application. I went through the careers affair at university. We have like the careers side of, of the team. We read mm-hmm. through application, gave me some tips, fixed it up, submitted my application. When I submitted my application, the next step, obviously, the, the video interviews, the numerical tests. Yeah. Somehow managed to stumble my way through those. <laughs> got through the numerical test. Then it was like a video interview. And wow. then my video interview, it was just about the research. I had to get really, really clear about that 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 connection like why me yeah. why this role and why mm. he and I, you if with every person who's applying to any company mm. those three puzzle pieces you need to chip away at them until you can make them click yeah imagine each of them is like a boulder yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're literally chipping away at each of those until you can create the perfect little 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 crevice here and then you have to chip away at this one until you can make it click and you yeah. can make you click with the job description and yeah. you in that job description clicking with the wider company and allowing it to create this beautiful image or sculpture of what you at this company will allow them to achieve how you're going to help them get their goals yeah and what they're looking for mm. so even in the interview process you know, it was all about how I'm a local kid. I grew up local to Heathrow Airport. Why am I mentioning that? Because I read on their Heathrow 2.0 strategy that they want to hire people from the local community. So guess what? Everything, every time I'm talking about Heathrow, I'm saying, oh, when I was a kid and I used to walk through the corridors and I used to drive through that tunnel and I used to see that Concord outside parked up and I'm bringing back nostalgic memories for the managers listening because I know <laughs> if I start talking about stuff that makes Heathrow Heathrow, Yes. And I'm yes. connecting it personally to who I am. Mm. And I talk about how if I get a spot on this graduate scheme, I'm going to go above and beyond and allow Heathrow to achieve their sustainability vision, to, st- mm. to achieve their personal vision in terms mm. of how they are the most important part of their company. So, for mm. example, I'm going to give you a very, and I'm very, I'm very wishy-washy with when I speak sometimes, so I'm going to go straight <laughs> to a practical example. I got asked the question in the interview. I said, mm-hmm. you're, this is your first week at Heathrow Airport. Mm-hmm. And walking through the the terminal terminal building, and you see somebody who's climbing up a ladder. They're a contractor, so they're not working directly for Heathrow, but they're a contractor at mm-hmm. Heathrow. They're climbing up a ladder, fixing something. They have no PPE on. They haven't 
put any PP, like personal protection equipment around mm -hmm. the site, there's people with their bags narrowly missing their ladder about to cause a major accident. You're mm -hmm. weak into the company and you spot this as you're walking through what are you going to do mm. now what they're trying to look for is they're trying to find somebody who's emotionally intelligent because some people mm. walk in there and be like hey what are you doing come down the stairs you're creating health and safety risk what are you doing and i go full guns gazing uh, full guns blazing but what they're looking for is they're looking for somebody with leadership potential what does a leader do you see i spent years learning about leadership and about how to get the best out of people and how mm -hmm. to communicate. Well, there's a book that I love. I live and die by this book. Yes, please share. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh, right? Now, this book, literally, How to Win Friends and Influence People, what it talks about is when you meet somebody and you connect with them, how is it that you can make that the most pleasant experience possible that by the end of it, whenever mm -hmm. you ask for a favor, you ask for anything, that person is mm -hmm. more likely to want to be on site Mm. there's literally a passage in this book that the moment I got asked that question in the interview I literally recited out the passage from this book about okay. how to how to navigate a conflictual situation so mm. he talks about don't assume you know everything right put yourself in the other person's shoes maybe the person hasn't got training maybe mm. the person it's their first day on the job too mate right you never know so rather than going in thinking you know what's happening approach it with a very curious mindset so what mm -hmm. I said in my answer is I said, I'll ask the person to come down and I'll just be very curious. I'll be curious about what they're up to, what they're doing, um, mm -hmm. you know, how they think the situation could be better. I'll point mm -hmm. out that I saw somebody very narrowly miss your ladder. And if they had hit it, you would have been in danger. And when I saw that, I didn't want you to get hurt. So I thought I'd call you down and let you know that I saw something that could have put you in danger. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would have asked about, you know, you know, do you have any protection equipment? Is there anything I can do to help you get some mm -hmm. protection equipment? You know, is there somebody we can escalate this to that we can help us get this equipment for you? Mm -hmm. but the way that I'd approach it is people focused. It's a leader's approach. Don't forget, mm -hmm. all these companies are looking for is somebody who can potentially be one of their future leaders. So yeah. as long as you can show them that you have that mindset of a leader, mm -hmm. you will get the job. But the way you develop that mindset is by developing your own self, by reading the good books, by yeah. surrounding yourself with good people, by challenging mm -hmm. yourself, craft yourself. So that yeah. when you're put in that interview process, you don't have to sit there scrambling for answers that you think are right. You already know. You are. Mm. And you know what's right and what's wrong. Oh, wow. No, thank you for sharing that. And I think a lot of people would resonate with that. And in fact, a lot of people would find that as a gem because they didn't they probably didn't think of approaching interviews in that way you know when we think of interviews you think okay how do I best tell the company that I like all everything about them and forget about me in the process I think a mm. lot of people to go in with that mentality without really identifying what value you can bring what mm. what do you have will make that company want you yeah um, and I think that's such a valuable skill to have especially when you're seeking to go into a position of job or career, whatever that may look like. Um, I, to be honest, I can talk to you forever about this because this is definitely up my stream. But I guess I have one. Well, I have two more questions, but one final question that I have um, before I go on to the the 
the ultimate one is what do you think was your greatest challenge thus far? I've never actually spoken about this, but if I was to be honest and 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 really say my my greatest challenge, whenever I started to like sort of do this social media stuff and put myself out there, there were certain individuals within the company that I felt like were out to get me. Mm. That was really hard to deal with. Mm. And nothing, not many things phase me. Not many things get under my skin. Yeah. Most things just bounce off. Like I'm, I'm very happy-go-lucky kind of guy. Yeah. But probably one of the most challenging things that I've had to deal with is politics at work, and especially politics of people who mm. can sometimes feel a bit like they're showing what showing you one side, and then they're showing other people another side, and then they'll smile in your face. But like ten minutes later, you get a phone call from someone saying something else. That was probably the most challenging thing, mm. and it's what really would like keep me up at night. I might come home, and mom would ask me like, "Why are you looking so stressed? Like, what's happening?" Like that was genuinely challenging for me, um, mm. and it's not something I'd ever wish upon anyone to have to go through that because it really does hurt sometimes when you feel misunderstood like that. But the only thing that got me through it mm. was knowing that my intentions were pure. And knowing that actually I'm not doing anything to harm anyone, and any negative that comes out of anyone isn't because of me, but it's because of what they contain in them, own, their own selves, and that's their own insecurities that may be weighing them down. And maybe I've just misunderstood them, and yeah. approaching them with a with a with a with a lens of empathy to say, yeah. I feel sorry for somebody who who bring other people down when they're not in the room. I feel sorry yeah. for other people who who might who might bicker about someone with a smile in their face. Like, I feel like I've come to a point in my life where I'm at peace with who I am. So I'm willing to show that. I don't have to live two lives. But there's yeah. some people who haven't got to that point in life yet. And I empathize with that. And yeah. actually, I'm just going to be me. You can <laughs> be me. So <laughs> life and just let live. That's how I overcame that. But it was really hard at the time until I, until I was able to piece that, that together. I mean, I still go through it sometimes. You know, it, it hits you sideways sometimes. We're human at the end of the day, um, and, and we do experience those things. I, I've had a similar experience um, where I thought, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? And it, it, it got to the point where it went to my manager and then it went to HR. But what kept me grounded was not just the fact that I knew, I, I knew what my intentions were and that they were pure and they, they were genuine, but I had the right support system around mm. me to to really allow to to kind of help me through that movement and help me through that journey and remind me Ivelka it is not you it's mm. not you and just having someone remind you is so empowering because you get stuck in your head and you think oh my god I'm doing everything wrong and da 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 and it it, it become you become your greatest um enemy in that yeah. sense but have people who who genuinely know you and who want the best for you to remind you and let you know that actually this is not who you know what they're saying is not you but rather a reflection on them so no I completely agree with that um so now my final question um my friends and family will know I'm obsessed with the diary of the CEO and <laughs> Stephen Bartlett has recently launched some of his conversations <laughs> and I yeah. took it 
myself to buy some because they're so incredible. And I thought, well, if he gets such insightful responses from amazing people, I want to know what other people think as well. So I do have one of his questions here. And it was a question posed by Jay Shetty, which is, again, one of my favorite um, people. I love his book, Think Like a Monk. Um, but the question is, what is something people value that you no longer value? I think this is a big one for boys my age, specifically. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of my target audience or people that follow me are boys my age. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe younger yeah flashy cars yes and like <laughs> materialistic things in that sense like shoes and cars and this and that like I drive what may look like a dinger to most people here but I love it <laughs> honestly it's like a 2004 Fiesta but it's an ST so it's like got a two liter engine in it it blows it's fast for me when I was choosing my car I literally had two mm -hmm. criteria I wanted it to be humble and I wanted it to be fast. That's the only mm. two things I wanted. So for me, <laughs> when I get in my car and I see it, it makes puts a smile on my face. Yeah. The reason why is because I've learned to value humility more than I value flashy stuff. Mm. I learned to value the beauty in here. And mm. I've learned to value that I value people who won't judge me based on my car. So the people who I want into my life I want them to look at my car and think nothing of it mm. because if there's somebody out there who looks at my car and thinks oh then I don't want you in my life thank you very much step aside <laughs> I don't need you anymore I want people and I can't afford a better car but I like this one it's fast it's humble <laughs> you know okay. and when, it, when someone hits me which has happened too many times I don't care. Like I don't care. It's, it's, it was. I literally. Had, I bought the car for two grand. Like I'm not. I'm not fast, right? <laughs> so when people literally, I've had three people smash into me over the past few years. I haven't even fixed the damage that's happened. On the front. <laughs> that's how little I care about it these days. But when I have seen my friends, they're all mm. driving their Beamers and their Mercs and stuff. Some people mm. that I know, they're all like, you know, they stress so much about their car and their alloys. I'm like, bro, just. Focus on what's in here. Focus on your impact in the world. Focus on yeah. what you're putting out there. Don't just focus on your car. So I think that's a big one for boys my age. Maybe girls as well. But mm. that's a little bit of me. That's a little bit of me. And I know it's probably a very superficial answer to a very deep question, but I think there's deeper meaning behind it. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think even you touching on that humility part, it goes into <laughs> such deeper levels that we could sit here and unpack all day. But um that's that's the end but thank you so much for joining us on our platform i hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as i did and yeah thank you once again and i hope we can stay in touch and thank You're you welcome. for educating our audience as well it's very thank valuable bye